What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you doing? What's going on, Sklar? How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm chilling. Before we start, be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at TSK Show. And if you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash show. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash show, Or just type in the word The Sports Kingdom Show on either Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. This week on The TSK Show, Tyler and I had an interesting thought about Stefan Diggs and that miracle touchdown for Tyler's favorite team this season, the, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, there. Uh, We will also update our NBA power rankings and talk about the hidden hallway drama that went down at Staples Center Monday night between the Rockets and the Clippers. And to close the show, we will have the second part of our five-part series where we we rank the top top ten active players at each position in the NBA. And this episode, we will be discussing the top 10 active shooting guards in the NBA. But first, we have to recap the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and preview the AFC and NFC championship games. So this past weekend, crazy weekend in football. Oh, man. Some of the, some of the better football I've ever seen. Yeah. So the Eagles ended up beating the Falcons 15-10. to The Patriots beat the Titans 35 35- to 14. I told you they were going to win by three touchdowns. Yeah, no, they did. And the spread in Vegas was 14, which I think in the playoffs, that's a good bet to take any team with 14. Oh, yeah. Still got it done. Also, the Jaguars, 45, Steelers, 42. Crazy game. Yeah, absolutely insane game. And then, obviously, the miracle in Minnesota, as everyone's calling it, Vikings 29, Saints 24. Stephen Diggs, the new Minnesota miracle man. Yeah, man. No more Gordon Bombay, it's Stephen Diggs. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out the Mighty Ducks. Love that movie series. Um, So, a couple of big shocks for me for the divisional round. Uh, Obviously Minnesota, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. We have a little interesting conversation, I think, that that we we should have. Now, for the Steelers game, if someone was to say to me, the Steelers scored 42 points on the Jaguars, how much would I bet to say they won the game? I'd probably say every penny to my name, but the Steelers got cocky and they got punched in the mouth. Yeah, that's uh, that was a crazy that was a crazy game. Jacksonville was up big, and but it just never felt comfortable the whole game with their lead because Pittsburgh kept answering back, but Jacksonville ended up just getting... Uh, getting more big blows at the end of the game to win it for him. Yeah, and I mean everyone everyone was talking crap about Blake Bortles, but at the end of the day, he had to make some throws to make sure that 
basically to secure the game. It was it was just and insane. and he was able he was able to make those throws. The second quarter was nuts. I mean, Jacksonville had a big lead, but then Pittsburgh scored a couple times, and then and then bang a scoop and score for Jacksonville puts them right back up three touchdowns. And Pittsburgh's, you know, now it looks like it's not going to be as good of a game, but Pittsburgh ended up getting another touchdown, and it's only a two-score game going into the half. It's, uh, that was a crazy football game. I didn't know who was going to win that until, you know, a couple minutes left. Yeah, no, so. it was it was definitely a crazy game. I, I remember I was watching it thinking, like, the defense is just on fire, Jacksonville's. Yeah, well. Jacksonville's defense is on fire. And but not to mention Fournette. Well, yeah, Fournette had a huge game, yeah. but I just, I just kept thinking like somehow Big Ben and yeah, Antonio yeah, Brown were just going to be able to yeah, find they, a way they, to connect they, on a couple plays. They had a fourth and down, they had a fourth down uh, touchdown pass to Martavis Bryant. It's like they were making big plays. Antonio Brown had a touchdown deep down the field where he was being held the entire, you know, the entire route, um, and that corner buoy, buoy or buoye or whatever. Yeah, it was, uh, he they had just done a stat that he had had. 90, 90 some targets uh, thrown his way without a touchdown, which led that's was nuts. the longest streak. And then bang, AB broke the streak. Yeah, and I mean AB had an incredible game after missing a couple weeks. Yeah, well, no, like with you the said, injury, forty two points. Pittsburgh's normally going to win that game, so that was just uh, that was great playoff football. Forty five, forty two. That's it. I yeah, mean, and the it it really should be forty five, thirty five. I mean, the last touchdown really didn't matter, but yeah, still crazy, crazy game. Yeah, I mean Mike Tomlin's decision to onside kick with two eighteen left. I Saxonville's mean, moving on. I'm, I'm I'm glad they're moving on. I I didn't think they were going to win this game, but I'm happy that they did. Yeah, and then another another real surprise was Matt Ryan and basically the same yep. same key pieces yep. that were in the Super Bowl last season. They couldn't even beat the Eagles with their backup quarterback. They had a shot too. I mean, they had a chance to win it and did he get it? That I mean Julio Jones, if. The stats are weird on him in the end zone. Uh, Matt Ryan was one for eighteen on targets to Julio Jones in the end yeah. zone. Um, and when you look back, I mean that ball goes right through his hands. It's it's a catch that he normally makes. Oh, he makes that catch ten times out of eleven. Yeah, so um, that was a crazy. That was a crazy way to end it because I mean they had they had their shot to win it. So um, really, every every game but the New England game was a really really. Good football game. Yeah, exactly. Crazy game all the way down to the end. Uh, every single one of them. I mean, Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Philadelphia, all three of those games were crazy. Yeah. Now, it. we both predicted it would be an NFC South showdown yep. between the Falcons and the Saints to go yep. to the Super Bowl. Yep. But, in fact, we'll get the matchup we all thought we were going to get before Carson Wentz went down. Yep. And that's Minnesota going to Philly for a chance to take on Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yes, I'm already crowning the Patriots champions of the AFC because Jags fans really screwed themselves by chanting "We want Brady" after their victory yeah, over uh, the Steelers. It, it's going to be a throttle. Yeah, I really, I, I, I don't want to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan Monday morning. Brady, Brady knows what to do. Yeah, I think they're. I mean, like we've said the whole season, I think New England's going to going to take care of that game. But set of C games, crazy. I I didn't see that one of these teams being here. Although Philly's not really that big of a surprise, and obviously I've been hating on Minnesota all year, so um, obviously I didn't think they were going to be here, but they're good, so we'll see. I mean, honestly, I think they're probably going to win this game, but watch, the second that I, I finally say, all right, this team's good enough. Um, they're going to lose. That's when they're going to lose. But, I mean, right now, that the 
Philly's playing great. Uh, got a little chip on his shoulder, and they're at home. So this game could go either way. It'd be very, very. It'd be crazy to see Nick Foles starting in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but it's gonna be crazy to see Case Keenum start in the Super Bowl. Two as well. former, two former Rams quarterbacks under Jeff Fisher are now having the chance to play each other for the Super Bowl. That's funny. Or for the NFC Championship, excuse me. So, I, you know, between the Philly and the Minnesota game, that's going to be a really good game, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota on the road. I'm actually going to have to go with Minnesota on the road as well. I've been going against them all year, and they proved me wrong. They beat Drew Brees. Yeah. Right, so, I give up. I, yeah, exactly. Like, they, they got through the Hall of Fame quarterback that they needed to get through so far. It's going to be interesting to see a home team in the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, first time ever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota, then obviously Brady. Um, they're going to – this Jacksonville team is really good, though. They're going to be good for a long time. They're really Yeah, they're, they're really definitely talented. stepping their game up. That defense is insane. So, um, And Leonard Fournette's a great uh, great centerpiece for any offense. So we'll yeah, see. exactly. Bortles needs to play well because he could be the quarterback for this franchise. Um, but if he doesn't play well, they they're gonna move on because they're ready to they're ready to roll. Yeah, exactly. They're now just missing that one piece, that one piece. If Blake Bortles isn't that guy, yeah. So, but I w- I want to talk about the last play of the Saints Vikings game. This obviously has been talked about nonstop for the past couple of days, and everyone has seen the replay over and over. And if you saw it live, like I did, you were probably as speechless as I was. Uh, however, I noticed something the second it happened, and it was in fact that as soon as Stefan Diggs crossed the goal line, he yanked his helmet off as quickly as possible and chucked it so everyone could see his face. Mm-hmm. This, to me, has always been something that's interesting in sports. Professional athletes like basketball players, baseball players, and soccer players, they don't wear, or their, their sport doesn't require them to wear headgear that has a mask or headgear that has shade visors that you see like receivers and running backs wearing. And basically, for those that don't get where I'm going with this, NFL players are the most unrecognizable athletes. And when they do something big like Stefan Stephon Diggs did, yeah. they want to make sure they're recognized for their play on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, Tyler, you have a friend who played for the New York Jets. Yeah. And you told me you had a conversation with him about this. Yeah, we had a conversation about this when he was playing. He played for the Jets for four years. He was a backup um, center for them. But uh, he used to talk about, he would call it helmet syndrome. And basically, like what you were saying is uh, football players are these, you know, highly paid, you know, athletes that are polarized. Everybody knows their names, but they're not necessarily as recognized as like a basketball or baseball player because... Their faces are exposed the entire time they're playing that game. So um, he he and I, you know, it was a long time ago, so I can't quote him on this. But basically, he was saying is that they would go all, they would be a little bit more dramatic about um, when they were going out, you know, um, out in the club and stuff like that. They would oh, they were just okay. wilding out, you know, because they wanted to be seen. Um, when they're on the football field, they'll take their helmet off as soon as they can, so they can be seen. And he used to call it helmet syndrome. Um, which I always thought was funny because uh, it's true. You know, they probably, you know, probably just pissed because they're getting paid just as much as the other exactly. guys. They're just as famous, but people have no idea who they are. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny to think, you know, he, he used to just tell me stories about going at a nightclub and then yeah. if there was athletes there or, or celebrities of any sort that the football players would just be wilding out. Just to get recognized yeah. because their sport requires them. 
yeah. to wear yeah, something yeah. that covers their face. It's a little chip on their shoulder. It's kind of funny. It's weird. I mean, and, but it's true. I mean, unless uh, outside of like the top like dozen, two dozen players, most people won't recognize a lot of yeah. players, even on their favorite teams. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, like so. how many? How many? How many Seattle Seahawks fans do you think would rec- recognize? Uh, P. Like, Rich on the street. Yeah, P. Rich or, or K.J. Wright. And, yeah. Know, and these are guys that have been with our team the entire time. So um, that's just like, those are just good examples, you know. Uh, you know, you'll know the Shermans. And, yeah, you'll know the Shermans. You'll know the, the Michael Bennett's. The Russell Wilson's. Earl Thomas's. Because they're, cause they're, you know, they got all the endorsements and whatnot. But, yeah, it's funny. Football players are playing that way. They, they're quick to get that helmet off. And when they do, they want to. You know they want to show it off. Like if they're there, and when players, uh, when their helmets come off into play naturally, they, I, I feel like they tend to take their time getting it back on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And well, I, I even remember a few years back, the NFL made a, like changed a rule that they had to keep their chin strap like a second, chin strap on the helmet. Yeah. You remember? You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So they even the NFL tried to make sure they kept their helmets on. Yeah. So, but anyway, that, that was just something. Stephen Diggs, Minnesota miracle, man. Needs, yeah. He needs his moment. Of, he, he needed to shine. I don't blame him too. I mean, he just basically, he saved their season. Absolutely. That was one of the most insane plays I've ever seen. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel but, bad for the DB. Yeah. Who had a, who had a great, had, year. Had, a great year, had a great, great interception that, basically had the Saints believing they were going to win the game in the third quarter. Yep, and, he, and he's a kid that's grown up in the, uh, the era of us trying to make the game safer so they're not tackling quite as much in practice well, in high school and in college as much as they did before. So, you know, you're starting to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. The NFL. And, well, and his, his reasoning also was he got there earlier than he thought he was, and he thought he, if he went for the tackle – or tried to make a play on the ball, pass he would have got called for pass interference, and that's why he chose to dive. No, it's, I mean, it's, uh, what was tough is he took out Crawley in the, in the... Exactly, he took out his own teammate in yeah. the process. Yeah, because normally, on a last-second play, it's not going to be a one-on-one scenario where, is if you get beat, it's a touchdown. Like, normally you're going to have help. Yeah. You're going to have people over the top of you, or the ball's going to be thrown so deep downfield, there's going to be other people that have time. And Crawley was right there, but... Took him out. Yeah. And that's that. It's a really unfortunate play. But Vikings move on, god damn it. I don't know how it's happening. It's, <laughs> You've been uh, hating on them all year, and they just, just keep proving you wrong. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. This is just like Cam Newton, Panthers, when they went to the Super Bowl. But yeah. I'm with it now. Whatever. Vikings. Hopping on the bandwagon. Let's see if you can win one here. So, anyway. Now we'll, we'll move on to the NBA. Yes. And we have to update our NBA power rankings. So, a lot of movement in mind this week, at least. What about yours, Tyler? Um, I, it's mostly reshuffling. There's not a lot of not a lot new up top for me. It's more of those uh, those like those bottom three or four teams in the conferences for the playoff spots are getting really interesting. People, are, yeah, it's making it real competitive. Sliding. People are moving up. Um, it'll be interesting to see wh- where, like, those, those, uh, those little bit, mi- those middle, um, rankings go. Yeah. So, who, who you got as your number 10? Um, they slid down a little bit. 
Um, and I'm going with Washington. Okay. Fifth best team in the East, 25 and 19. Um, you know, you know the story. They still got they they got some weapons. Um, but fifth in the East, you know, they're they're supposed to be one of those teams that are knocking on the door to beat Cleveland. Exactly. They just don't look like it. Um, they're just not progressing. I think they've tapped out the potential for this team. They need to either add a piece or go separate ways. Yeah. So. I mean, I'll, I'll get to the Wizards in a minute. Uh, I have them a little bit higher, but mm-hmm. anyway. So, number 10 for me is the Thunder. They're 24-20. and 20. They're down two spots from last week. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And I don't think I've seen a more talented yet so inconsistent team before. Yeah, they really, they really haven't figured it out chemistry-wise at all. For for the season, they're 4-6 and six against the bottom eight teams in the, in the league. And in the West, you can't play bad against bad teams and lose those games yeah. if you want to make the playoffs. No, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. Um, Especially in the West. That's a big Popovich thing. That's why, you know, all those all those games where they're matched up against, like, superstar teams, they'll sit their stars and, you know, people get all pissed because they're on national television. But Popovich believes that you need to win the games um, that you have to win and you take chances and you try new things against those challenging opponents where it's like, you may not get a win. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, uh, that, that's definitely OKC's problem. Um, obviously the roster looks like they can beat anybody, but they just haven't. Yeah. On paper, they're solid. They just haven't proved it yet. So, yeah. But so leading into my number nine, you already, you already talked about them, the Washington wizards. Mm -hmm. They're 25 and 19. Like you said, they've slid to the five seed in the East. That's just a bad spot for them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know they they need they need to they need to be in the top four. Similar similar to the Thunder, their their inconsistencies are their problem. Bradley Beal and John Wall each had thirty points a few nights ago in a victory, but then on Monday on MLK Day they lose by nine to the Bucks, and Giannis had twenty seven and twenty in that game, while Bradley Beal and John Wall had a combined plus minus of minus twenty eight. Yeah, those guys have to be superstars. That they are the franchise, um, similar to the Portland guys. Um, they are they're the team. You know, they have good pieces. Otto Porter and uh, and Gortat and those Oubre and those guys are good pieces. But Morris, they are the stars. Exactly, they, they have to play phenomenal. Beal has to be at twenty four a game. Wall's got to be at twenty and ten. Um, Easily, or they're not gonna, or they're not going to do anything in the Eastern Conference, which is not saying much. So. Um, if they want to be one of those teams to to push against Boston and Cleveland, they need to step it up. Yeah. So, um, but my my number nine team was my number ten team last week, where I put they were the hottest team in the league um, last week, Miami Heat. Yeah. Um, they're still rolling. I, I like the Heat. I, um, they're a fun team to watch. It's on Whiteside. It's so talented. Dragic getting into you know. He's that he's that that classic he's that classic little point guard that just gets under everybody's skin. Um, he, and he can hoop. So yeah, uh, twenty five and eighteen, fourth in the fourth in the East now. Yeah, but, you know they're the ones that jumped the Wizards. So I got them at nine. Yeah, and that I mean I have them at number eight, and they're they're a newcomer to my power rankings. I didn't really believe in them, but they won seven straight before losing on Monday. Yeah. And then they've leapfrogged the Wizards to move into fourth in the East. And in the last ten games, they're eight and two. Yep, and in, in our episode last week, their last ten had been seven and three. So they've been they're just continue to play well. Exactly. Against fans, so 
Um, obviously, I, I don't think they're a team that can win more than one playoff series, but they're playing really good right now, so I got them at nine. Um, number eight I have uh, was you had them at ten um, is OKC. Okay. Um, you know, I still I, I they're basically at number eight just purely because of the the guys they have on their roster. On, I mean, I on know, paper, yeah, I know they can still win a seven game series. Uh, they're still just figuring it out. But they can't just play isolation basketball. Can't just be like, all right, Melo gets these shots, Paul gets these shots, and yeah. Russell's going to do everything else. That's just not. They're not going to. They need to watch Golden State. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know. know. I mean, it's it's they have to get onto the same page. They have to be one of those teams that's having fun while they're playing, and their chemistry is high. And fun's not even the right word, but enjoying playing with each other and moving the ball like Golden State does. Or, or they're just going to get trashed in the playoffs. Yeah, and Russell also can't be having 10 turnovers. I really don't know where we know it's a team that I can see sweeping people and a team that could get swept. That's yeah, where, that's where they're it at could right easy, now. They could easily get swept. Yeah, so it, which is crazy to think, but that's what uh, that's what that's what they look like right now. So we'll we'll see what Billy Donovan can can figure it out. But he is a tournament coach. Yeah. So who you got as your number seven? You got to go with the old guys, San Antonio Spurs. Okay. Uh, yeah, still they're in that they're in that first crop of Western Conference teams that kind of separated themselves from everyone else. So um, San Antonio, San Antonio. Even though Lamarcus is kind of unhappy and whatnot, I don't uh, think he's unhappy anymore. Yeah, but it came it came out that he asked to be traded yeah, in the off season. Yeah, but Pop was like, "No, I'm not letting you do that. Let's yeah. figure out a way to make this work." And so so far they have. Yep, and and that's and that's Pop. So. They're going to be all right. Um, so they're kind of just seven by default because, you know, they're the San Antonio Spurs, and they're winning games, so it's not one of those seasons where we're talking about, are they done now? They're still in it. Um, they're still a top-tier team. I'm, I'm assuming they're probably top five in Vegas as far as, like, championship um, potential. So yeah. Wouldn't shock me San if they Antonio were in there. San Antonio at seven. San Antonio is actually probably the best bet as far as, like, to win some good money. Yeah, um, because all the other teams are gonna have good odds, and they're the team that could actually win it that doesn't have as great odds. Yeah. Um. So my number seven, they're down four spots from last week. What is going on in Cleveland? It's they're a mess. they're twenty six and seventeen. They've lost four in a row. They're two and eight in their last ten games. They lost back to back games by twenty five points or more. And that's the first time that's ever happened to LeBron for a LeBron-led team in his yep. career. So bad. This is this is not a this is not a classic LeBron regular season team. Now that that back-to-back games by twenty-five points, that's good news to me in my opinion, because according to Elias Elias Sports Bureau, mm-hmm. no team has ever won a championship losing. after losing back-to-back. Yeah. By twenty five or more points during the regular season. Yeah, I mean they're definitely winning a championship playing like this right now. No, um, they need to sure. do something. They need like like I was kind of saying with OKC, LeBron needs to find that that way they used to play his first run in, in Cleveland when yep. guys were having yep. fun playing together. People were pissed to get you know they were getting their ass whooped by twenty, and these guys were having fun doing it. So yeah, um, I th- just because that's I think that's the nature of their team. Guys like Jr. and D Wade and Tristan. Um, it's a lot of egos. Yeah, this is it's a mess. Um, so I mean, what what do you got them at seven? Yeah, they're at seven yeah, for they me. They could be anywhere right now. They're they're in a lot of trouble, so they need to figure it out. But they still got LeBron, so um, I still got them a little higher than that. 
Um, at number six, uh, one of my new favorite teams. I am not a fan of their football team, but the Timberwolves I am a <laughs> fan of. Uh, coming at number six, they're third in the West. Finally, you know, it just looks finally like they put it all together. They're healthy. Um, they're yeah. all playing really well. It's uh, it's a good team. They're going to be dangerous in the West. We'll see. We'll see if they can win us uh, win a playoff series. It would be great if they won one, but. I think they're kind of uh, their potential to be a first round, first round knockout with teams like San Antonio and OKC behind them. Yeah, no, I mean Minnesota's good. I have them a little bit higher. So. Thibodeau's the man, though. Yeah, Thibodeau. I mean his his de- he's just a defensive genius. Yeah, and he's got you know Jimmy Butler and, and Taj back with him, and um, that that's got the band back together. Yep, that team's just looking real good. But for my number six, I have the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. I said it last week that moving them down so far to number nine last week uh, might be too preemptive on my part, which obviously now I think it was. Uh, I put them back in the sixth spot because they still rank second in the league in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. And this is all while Kawhi has only played nine games this season. They're still fourth place in the West. They still have Greg Popovich as their coach. Yeah. Lamarcus Aldridge is probably having one of his best years. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a it's been a revive uh, a revive for Lamarcus. Looks like he did when he was playing in Portland again. Yeah, he's, you know he's he's the center of the offense, so that's what they need. Yeah, and then number five, I have Minnesota at twenty nine and sixteen as well. Yeah. They're up one spot for me from last week. They've won five in a row, seven and three in their last ten games. They're really making some noise in the Western Conference their now. Big, their big three is just as good as anybody now. You know, you can't really deny these guys the credit they deserve. Carl Anthony Towns flat out can play with anybody, for sure. Oh, easily. Jimmy Butler is arguably, you know, one of the two best two-way defenders, you know, two-way guards in the NBA. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Um, and Wiggins is, is doing what Wiggins does. I mean, he's just a, a, a superior athlete. He's a great bas- you know, two-way basketball player. He's got a good long, basketball IQ. Yeah, long, athletic, young, ready to go. So um, it's good to see them finally, it finally clicking. This is the year that I think Minnesota fans have been waiting for for three since, or four since, seasons. Since KG left, I think, honestly. Yeah, I mean, even when they had Kevin Love, you know. It, well, it yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. No. But also in in the past month, they're number one in the league in offensive offensive efficiency and fifth in defensive efficiency. So they're getting it done on the floor. Yeah, that's if uh, if Thibodeau's teams are playing good offense, it's not it's not good for opponents. <laughs> Who you got at number five? Cleveland Cavaliers. And, All right. Um, basically, I just I I don't think I can put Cleveland any lower than five. I don't care how bad it gets. Just because they have LeBron James, so it's. Like, I'm just a hater. At, at the end of the day, it's it, it's they're never going to be not top five team when it comes to uh, my power rankings. Um, I don't think they're in any danger of uh, sliding, you know, not getting home court advantage of the playoffs. Um, but you know they don't want to fuck around too long and and keep losing games like this and and you know have to play Boston in Boston, Toronto in Toronto. Those are tough matchups. Yeah. Um, so they're really just they're making they're making it harder on themselves for the playoffs. And what I see happening now is Cleveland's going to end up just going through a brutal gauntlet of playoff games against the finals, and Golden State's going to be you know sitting there at twelve and up. Yeah, I mean it's I think it's going to be, I think it's the NBA is now shifting towards the opposite from what we've seen in years past, where the West is so competitive, and LeBron's had a cakewalk to the to the finals. 
I think the Golden State Warriors are probably going to have a cakewalk in the West. Yeah, I think just I based off think what we've seen. I still think the West is is more competitive two through eight. Well, yes, one hundred percent. It's just that the Warriors are there. Yeah, but LeBron's team isn't as good as it used to be, and other teams like Toronto and Golden State are better. Um, so that's where it's like his his road his road is is harder because his team's not quite as as talented or not not talented. That's the wrong word. They have plenty of talent. Um, his team's just not as good. They're not. They're not, not playing as well. Yet. Isaiah's still figuring out. He's trying to get his legs on the fly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got him at number five. That's about as low as I can go. I think they're going to be all right. But they're playing like shit right now. Two and eight in their last ten is not what you want out of a LeBron James team. No, not at all. So now for number four, I have the Rockets. They're up one spot. They're four and three since James Harden went down with an injury. They've still been playing well. Yeah. Um, yep. They can. They're definitely built to sustain an injury. They. They're, yeah. Exactly. They're nice and deep. They. They got. They got a. Uh, they got a good team. They definitely. One thing that that scares me about the Rockets in the playoffs, against Golden State, is their bench is basically almost as deep as Golden State's bench is. Their starters just aren't as good. Exactly. That's a you know. Trevor Reese is a great player, but Kevin Durant's gonna own that matchup. Yeah, Trevor Reese is on the wrong side of thirty. That's yeah. the, that's the that's the only problem. Get Trevor Ariza against Kevin Durant when he was on the Lakers, and Kevin Durant now it's a different story. Yeah, no, I mean he, he's a good, he's a big guy, he's long, athletic, but Durant's a different monster. Um, at number four, I got the six Toronto. Okay. Um, they're they're having another great regular season, you know. Uh, Debo of the North, Demar is the man. <laughs> He's still crushing it. Uh, Kyle Lowry getting chippy with Ben Simmons. Um, I, yeah, I, and apparently love, Ben Simmons didn't even meet him in the hallway. I love the uh, I love I love all that in the NBA. I hated it when the the LeBron and Melo banana boat era where everybody was friends. I like all this. Yeah, turn, this turns to hatred. Is yeah, nice. this chippiness. It's good because over the past I, I week has been nice. Each other, you know, and in the playoffs, this is going to be great TV when some of these teams match up. Um, so yeah, I got I got Toronto at number four, the second best team in the East, twenty nine thirteen, playing well. Um, leading into that, though, your number four, my number three is Houston. Yeah, and I I have the Raptors at number three, yep. up one spot from last week. Yep, they just beat the Cavs one hundred and thirty three to ninety nine. They're six and four in their last ten. Yeah. No, I uh, uh, Toronto is definitely gonna um, be a tough team to be in the playoffs with home uh, home court advantage, especially if they can say at the number two seed and, and keep you know hold off Cleveland. That's gonna be a uh, big time for them. Um, and as far as Houston goes, I just don't know if they have enough to beat Golden State. Like I said, I, I just think Kevin Durant's too. He's a night. He's a matchup nightmare for anybody. But yeah. Um, them in particular, I don't think they have anything to play against them. Um, they're big guys. I don't think are, are they're too it. slow. Yeah, their big guys aren't good enough to play against uh, Golden State's big guys. Uh, even though, even though I like Clint Capella, he's a, he's a good player, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, um, Ryan Anderson, those guys are. That's a, those are those are coming off the bench players for Golden State. Exactly. So my number two, Boston Celtics. They're thirty four and ten. They've won seven straight games. They're eight and two in their last ten games. They keep on rolling. We saw Gordon Hayward had his cast off. Yeah, but I hope he doesn't play this season. No, no, he should stay. He should definitely just. They're playing well. Just yeah, this, I don't. I don't care if he's team, ready. This team is this team. You know what I mean? Like uh, this team has an identity. This team's got a chemistry. Um, not that he can't make that team better, 
But I think they just need to give this team a run. This team's looking good. They've deserved it. They're uh, they're looking to get to the finals. They want to beat LeBron. Oh, yeah. Kyrie definitely wants to beat LeBron. But on, on the topic of Gordon Hayward also, he, he also shouldn't play because if I were the Celtics front office, I would want even if he's ready to go for the playoffs and doctors have cleared him yeah, and yeah, all no, of that no, no, and he no. says he can go. Yeah, don't bring him back. No, you're not playing. Yeah. I'm making sure you Start are. fresh next year. Yeah, I'm making sure you are 100% healthy. Like, we're yeah. not messing this thing up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's an Aaron Rodgers scenario. Yeah. And then, obviously, I have in my notes, number one, Warriors, 36-9, and nine, enough said. Yep, they're uh, they're gonna, they're looking like they're gonna win the win the title again. They're gonna, they're probably gonna sweep their way to the. They might lose. They might lose one game in the West. They might lose one game in the finals. But I don't see them losing more than two games in the playoffs right now. Yeah, no. Steph is playing great. Um, Durant's playing great. Clay's. You'll see where we put Clay as far as the league's best and four All Stars in their starting lineup. Yeah, it's. Just, it's Everybody knows who the Golden State Warriors are. Yeah, so... Hey, what about Steve Kerr, though, stealing my uh, Kardashian comparison of a bar ball? Oh, yeah, I mean... have been saying that shit for months. Yeah, I, we've, I knew, we've both I, been saying it. So, Steve Kerr, I know you're listening now, obviously. Yeah, so obviously. Shout-out, Steve Kerr. Let, let me get a shout-out, Steve Kerr. If, if, you're li- if you're listening to this episode, we'll take some tickets. If you come to L.A. again, yeah. That, yeah. That would be Got to check the schedule on that. But speaking of playing in Los Angeles, it all went down in Chris Paul's return to Los Angeles. Yeah, this shit's awesome. To play the Clippers for the first time. <laughs> These guys are matched up to play each other in the playoffs. Right now they are, yeah. That's awesome. It, it was chippy all game. We saw CP3 call Blake Griffin a bitch after Griffin <laughs> complained about a no call. We had Blake Griffin supposedly elbow Mike D'Antoni, and D'Antoni gave Blake a big fuck you after the fact. I like how we haven't had a good camera angle on that one that I've seen, and it's like, how many fucking cameras are in this stadium? <laughs> like, dude, come on, give us a good camera angle. We had Trevor Reason and Blake get ejected with a minute to go, and we had Patrick Beverly and Notorious Punk, in my opinion, yeah. Austin Daddy Saved My Career Rivers, uh, talking shit in suits on the sideline. And that was just during the game. Talking shit in a boot behind your dad is just not a good look. Even though, yeah. even though he might be, you know, a tough guy or whatever, it was, <laughs> that's just not a good look. Yeah, so, and then after the game, it went down. Yeah. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Trevor Ariza, Gerald Green, James Harden, and Chris Paul all, quote, breached the Clippers' locker room, looking to go after Austin Rivers and Blake Griffin through a hallway that connects the Clippers' locker room and the visiting locker room, and Clint Capella was used as a Trojan horse and knocked on the front door of the Clippers' locker room, and as soon as someone opened the door, it was shut in his face. Now, this this isn't the first time players from an opposing team tried to enter the Clippers' locker room. ESPN's Arash Markazi who, quick shout-out, Arash, I've interviewed with him and gotten had the chance to speak with him about his career path and all that, so I, I really look up to Arash. So shout-out, Arash Markazi. Uh, he was quick to point out that the Warriors tried to enter through the same hallway when the Clippers beat them in Game 7 of the playoffs in 2014. Yeah. It's 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 crazy that this is all going down. It's, it's good to see, though. I like it. 
I want these guys to hate each other. It's, yeah. It's, just, it's it, it brings to the competition level. You know, you're getting you're getting more out of these superstars. It's fun to watch Blake Griffin try and get a bucket. You know what I mean? It's fun to watch Chris Paul fired up and trying to make the right play. Um, because you got the best guys in the world fired up trying to do their best. That's when you're going to see the best basketball. Yeah, and it, it goes back to what we were talking about with, like, the LeBron Mello CP3 banana boat. Yeah, that's so... Yeah, all of that. You know. we're, I'm sick of that. I, I think a lot of NBA it's fans are sick of culture. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the social media culture. All these guys grow up together, playing ball together. They know each other. They follow each other. Um, so it's it's cool. This is the Rondo type of attitude that we talked yeah. about. It's it's me against you. It's that Russell type of attitude. It's cool. I mean, I, I I and Chris Paul has always been one of these guys, but it's awesome to see him and and Blake Griffin go at it. Yeah, and Blake's also always been a fake tough guy, like Austin Rivers has been in his career yeah, as well. I mean, a lot of these NBA guys are just so physically big. They're they're obviously going to think they're they're a lot tougher than they are. But now a lot of people are saying it was a secret hallway that Chris that only Chris Paul would know about and blah blah blah. But multiple Los Angeles media members who covered the Clippers and Lakers and general NBA for years pointed out that this hallway has been known about to everybody basically that yeah. knows Staples Center and where the locker rooms are at mm-hmm. and it's mainly used for friends from opposing teams to exchange pleasantries and so on and so forth before and after games. So the hallway is really no secret. And also for those that don't know, the Lakers and Clippers, they have different locker rooms at Staples Center. Like the Lakers have their own locker room. The Clippers have their own locker room. So this didn't even occur where the Lakers locker room was either. Um, but there's also a separate visiting team's locker room that connects to the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a nice place where they can get away from the media and talk to people that they, you know, ex-teammates or friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, everyone that's been to the stadium knows, uh, well, I mean, not necessarily fans, but every player that's played there knows about this hallway. It's not. Yeah, it's no secret. secret. That's just, uh, that's just adding to the media hype machine. Yeah. And so as of, Around 4 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski said that the NBA's investigation will continue into Wednesday and that he made sure to mention in his tweet that Trevor Ariza uh, was reportedly the most aggressive and determined to get into the Clippers locker room while CB3 and James Harden were trying to slow him down. What do you think the punishments will be for, for the players involved? Well, definitely Ariza is, is probably going to be get the worst of it. Uh, you think Ariza is going to get the worst of it? Uh, well, Ariza, CP3, Blake Griffin, all those guys are probably... I mean, honestly, they probably should all get multiple games. We'll see. Austin Rivers is going to get a game. Beverly's probably going to get a game. Um, yeah. And who who else uh, was involved? Well, you Clint know, Capella. Clint Capella. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, Clint Capella. So, I mean, I kind of I broke it down. I mean... I think CP3 should get a five-game suspension. He's president of the NBA Players Association, yeah, which crazy. I think is yeah. the craziest aspect in this because he needs to be setting an example for players. Yeah. This is absolutely inexcusable for him to be at the center of all this and be put in this sort of predicament. Like I think the yeah, book needs to be thrown at Chris Paul for which this. Is, which is funny because uh, he's a fiery guy as the president, and... Um, 
the last president, D. Fish, he 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 was he a fiery was, guy. He was known to he laid skull out. That's one of my. That's favorite. one of my. Oh my oh, gosh! Yeah, I love that one. When, uh, he just looked. He looked back, saw the pick coming, was like, "All right, I'm doing it," and he just dropped him. I mean, that's probably the attitude they bring towards the NFL or the NBA owners. That's why they're the president. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Trevor Ariza should get three games for being the most aggressive and determined to get into the Clippers locker room. And also, he was ejected for some on-court antics. Yeah. So I think he should get like a three-game suspension. And then I think everybody else that was an eligible player to play in the game, i.e. Blake Griffin, Gerald Green, Clint Capella, well, James Harden wasn't eligible to play, but he was out there in his, in his warm-ups. He wasn't in his street clothes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they should get, like, a one-game suspension. Blake Griffin, because he was ejected. They definitely going to need to handle this one. They, they oh, need yeah. to get those suspensions just because they don't want this um, post-game jumping people shit to happen. Yeah. That's not, I, I that's mean, there were two. In, there were basically two instances in one day. One day, yeah. yeah. And I also think Austin... Are you, are you adding the Lowry one in that? No, that's what I'm. That's what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay, I'm talking about how right, the Clippers yeah. hallway, the Clippers yeah, Rockets hallway, hallway incident, yeah. Ben Simmons Kyle Lowry hallway incident, right. which we can talk about in a second. But so yeah, so like Blake Griffin, Gerald Green, Clint Capella, James Harden, one game suspension. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin was thrown out of the game for antics on the court. But I mean, if it's true that Blake Griffin elbowed Mike D'Antoni, he should be suspended five games as well for making contact with an opposing coach. That's, like, he elbowed the opposing coach. Yeah, no, that's 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 why I think, think uh, Reza, Paul, and Blake are all going to get multiple game suspension. Yeah, but, I mean, if it if there's no video evidence or they can't really prove that D'Antoni yeah. was elbowed yeah, by well, Blake Griffin, I think it should they, be one game, maybe have, two. Like I said, they got to have cameras. Yeah, they got to have it. But I also think Austin Rivers and Patrick Beverly should be suspended one game each. Upon returning from their injury, definitely just like for heckling with players on the court when yeah. you're in a suit is not yeah. A, it, it, like they should you, get a game. You look like a punk for that, and then it was it popped off on Twitter after that with players tweeting mm. from different teams, yeah. even the Clippers. Patrick Beverly tweeted yeah. something out. Blake Griffin tweeted something out. The Rockets GM tweeted something out. Yeah. So it's just a crazy situation. That's how that's how the NBA is now. It's chippy. So let's see. Let's hopefully you can get some good playoff series out of it. All the um, all this chippiness. Uh, hopefully uh, you get some good some good fiery moments. Oh yeah, see, I, it's good. I mean, I like it. It reminds me of the '90s. Yeah, definitely. It, these are starting to different turn... than the '90s, but you know, because the '90s was more just like a physical beat up style, um, and this is more of a you know. Social media age. Type yeah, deal, this is a lot of Twitter. Still, thugs. I mean, there's still there's still some hatred firing up now. Oh yeah, but these want. are these are turning into some real rivalries yeah, that exactly. we would see in the past, like and Lakers there's a Celtics. Lot, and, and there's a lot of between the Clippers and the Rockets. There's a lot of switching back and forth player wise. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and like Boston and Cleveland and stuff like well, that. Well, and also good. for for players like Sam Decker, Montrezl Harrell, yeah, yeah. a couple other players that they're were part the of it. They're right in the middle of it. Yeah, you got to pick a side. It's personal for them. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and then if I mean, we can talk about the Ben Simmons Kyle Lowry for a second. I mean, yeah. there was some chippiness in that and Ben, ben Simmons said something he didn't mean. Clearly, he didn't mean it cuz because he's not really trying to... He's, he's not, not really, about that life. He's not really trying to do that, but... 
You know, and Lowry, Lowry, he's a Lowry vet. called him out I mean, on Lowry, it. Lowry's a vet. I mean, he sees Ben Simmons as a rookie. That's just how it goes. I mean, yeah. I think there's more instances like that than we see. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that was just a good one where we got good coverage. You yeah, know, exactly. It was on the court. You know, ben said it, and then Kyle Lowry's like, "All right, let's go." And yeah. Ben's like, "Well," like, so he's like, kind of oh, laughing, no. like, "No, I was joking." Yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah, so Kyle Lowry was, I guess, asked about it after or. The next day at practice, and he was like, "Yeah, I was there, and Ben wasn't there." Yeah. So I mean, Ben's not gonna go out there. No, and he shouldn't. But he shouldn't have said that. Yeah, a lot of bark, no bite. Rookies. <laughs> <laughs> so we will now move to the second part of our five-part series. God damn it! This this was tough for Tyler. This was tough. These last like two three positions are tough to fill, and 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 ranking basically two through seven two through eight is is you can you can basically throw all the names in a hat and pick them out and put them in that order and probably be okay. Yeah. So so we'll we're gonna go through and reveal our top ten active shooting guards in the NBA next week. We'll be doing small forwards. Yep. So small forwards is probably going to be tough to rank. It's going to be very tough to rank because who's considered what? Well, and there's going to be some people that are like Hall of Famers that are like fourth. Yeah, like (laughs) like what the fuck is Giannis? Where's Giannis going to be? You know, when you got Kevin Durant. But anyway, yeah, that's next week. Next week we're going with two guards today. Yeah, let's shout out the shooting guard. Shout out Kobe, number ten, best shooting guard of all time, best basketball player of all time. Yeah, I said it. Fight me. Shout shout Kobe's the man. I'm not gonna argue that. I love Kobe. Um, he and he is the prototype two guard. That's what. That's everything you want a two guard. Exactly. Um, Who you got at number ten, Tyler? It took me hours to figure out number ten. Literally up to basically when we started. Yeah, but you know what? I'm gonna give it to a guy that's playing. I think this guy's playing really good, and people aren't noticing, and he's gonna get paid in this off season. And I think he's going to go to a good team and be a really good piece, and that's Tyreek Evans Ooh. out in, uh, out in Ooh. Memphis. Yeah, he's averaging 19.6 a game, five five rebounds, five assists, um, 31 minutes a game, played all 41 games. He's he's on a one year contract, um, so he's playing he's playing well. I know they're they're not a good team, but. He's playing well, and he's a guy that's accomplished things in this league before. So yeah, he's, he's a kind real of a guy that got lost. He's a real interesting story. He is. He's a guy that got lost in in the shuffle of things. But if he's a guy that can, and he's a guy that can, you know, go sign with one of these teams that's ready to pop off. And if he's the right piece, he could he could be. Um, I think he can be a rotational player for a championship team. Yeah, no, def- definitely. I, I, yeah, I think nineteen point six a game. I was surprised to see that he's balling out this year. But for my number ten, I had to go with a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. I, I love the youth in the league right now, but that's something that it's the the shooting guard is lacking youth right now. Yeah, there's there's not. It's it's actually in its prime. Most of these guys are in their prime. Exactly. I mean, they're, like, they're like later twenties. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ty Ty Evans is twenty eight. Yeah. So. My number 10, he's only 23. Mm-hmm. It's Gary Harris of the Nuggets. The Nuggets are in eighth place this season. Tom Izzo's guy. Yeah. This season, he's averaging 16.9 points per game, 3.2 assists, 2.8 rebounds, 49.4 from the fi- 49.4% from the field, and 38.3% from three-point line. He, he's basically 
He's a shooter. I mean, the guy can get buckets. Yeah, he can I get just, buckets. He's paired with Nick uh, Jokic. I just think his stats, you know, not to hate on your pick here, but I just, with Gary Harris, I just can't put him in the top ten. Well, okay, but let's go. His, sta- his stats, I think his stats should be better than that. I mean, his his situation, he's got a pretty good situation. Well, it's his, it's his third year in the league. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's fighting. I mean, I really like Jamal Murray, too. I think Jamal Murray's a really good basketball player. But since you're talking stats, let's compare this season to what he's averaging for his career, Yeah, which is 11.6 points per game, yeah. two assists per game, 2.5 rebounds per game. His field goal percentage is up this season from his career. His career is 46.8, and he's improved his three-point shooting which is for the for his career, he's at thirty six point three percent. I I definitely think he's a solid rotational player. I think he's a guy that can play on just about any team. Um, but I think he's more of a, a spread the court guy. Um, he could be he could be potential to be a six man type of guy someday. Um, we'll see we'll see where the Nuggets go. They're super young. So yeah, I mean they're eighth in the West right now. Yep. I, Denver's my team, but I think it's going to be the team to fall off in the West. Um, I just I, you know. They have a good team, but the West is just too tough. They're really young, so yeah, um, yeah. I I I'm taking Tyreek at ten. Okay, well I'm I'm going with Gary Harris. Gary Harris, Michigan State guy. All right, at number nine, this guy is uh this guy is past his prime, really. I mean, he's this guy's a vet, but he's having a fucking he's having career a career year. year. Uh, we both Wilco. we both yeah we both have we both have him at number nine, Lou yeah. Williams. He's, he's And I'm putting him at number nine as more respect to how good he's playing this year. Exactly. Obviously, there's some guys that you'd rather take to build around your team because if maybe he's a little older, he's a little smaller, which are the reasons why he's gotten bounced around the league for so long. But 23 points a game, five assists a game. Um, he's filling in the void for all that guard production that Chris Paul left. So someone had to, you know, get those buckets. Chris Paul says, shaded Blake Griffin in the post-game press conference and said Lou Williams is the go-to guy on the Clippers. Yeah, and I mean he's playing like it. Blake Griffin's yeah. a great player, so this is a this is a good scenario for Lou Williams again. He's going to get paid again. Good for him. Yeah, I mean I, he's thirty-three years old now. No, he's thirty-one. Oh, thirty-one. He's thirty-one. Gotcha. Yeah, so, but I mean for compared comparing for his career, he was he was a straight out of high school guy too. Yeah, compare comparing for his. For his career, 13.4 points per game as compared to 23.3 this season. Mm-hmm. He's up two assists per game from three to five. And his career average just does not do him justice. Not as far at as all. What kind of scorer he was. I think people that watch Lou Williams play know the type of caliber of player. He's similar to like a Jabal Crawford in a sense. He gets Bro, he just six, dropped a 50-piece. Yeah, he gets those six-man rolls a lot and stuff, but this guy's a lethal scorer. He dropped a 50-piece and had seven assists in the same game. Yeah, I mean, he sat behind Iverson for two, for two or three years. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good guy to look up to. Yeah, the guy, the guy knows how to get buckets. Um, so, yeah, good number nine. Number eight, um, I think you might have this guy as well, B.O. Yeah, uh, Victor look, Oladipo, yeah, number so eight both, for me as well. Yeah, so Victor Oladipo, 24 game. Um, he's one of those guys, like you said earlier, that he just keeps getting put in the trade piece. It sucks when um, players like that. They're good, you know. They're, yeah, he just gets shipped around right. like. But you he's hope nothing. that you hope that maybe he has a, a Chauncey Billups type career where maybe Indiana's his spot now and he can settle down like like. Uh, yeah, he's only twenty five. Exactly, it, it's it, he still has got a lot of good basketball and he's playing really really well. Um, I think he surprised a lot of people at how well he's playing. But this kid was, I mean, highly touted coming out of Indiana. Yeah, you know, top five pick. Um, 
So he, he can play. Um, so yeah, number eight, two guard. Yeah, two, I'm two way player too. Yeah, definitely a two way player. Definitely a two way player. Definitely he, a two, and he's probably a top five when it comes to two way. And in terms of his percentages for his career, he's at forty four point two percent from the field and thirty five point eight percent from three point line from the three point line. This season, he's at forty eight point nine percent from the field and forty one point six percent from the three point line. Yep. So he's just he's getting better. And it's unfortunate that he he keeps getting shipped around, and like you said, hopefully he can settle down in Indiana and yeah, no, really like find Indiana, a home. Indiana is a is a great uh, basketball community. It's a great basketball city, Indianapolis, um, and that's where he went to college. You know, yeah, so he's a Hoosier. It's, it's a good. It's yeah, he's a Hoosier. Exactly, it's a great fit. So I, I really do hope that this is the place that he settles down. They pay him. He's part of their core rebuild with you know Miles Turner and maybe, and Miles Turner is going to be nice and maybe Sabonis who know who knows how he's going to progress. Did so. you see Lance and LeBron round three real quick? So yeah, Lan- Lance and Lance and LeBron are great. That's that's some that's the type of shit that we love. <laughs> yeah, know? and Lebr- LeBron called him dirty in the locker room and yeah. Well, it's it's and it's a lot of and LeBron I think shows him a lot of respect. Oh, I I the, think the fact that I think LeBron respects him because he talks about him exactly. Whereas he wouldn't take the time of day. To mention an opponent. Exactly. You know, but this is Lance Stevenson. This is New York City's <laughs> finest. Born know? ready. This guy this guy's a player, this guy can hoop. And he's a physical monster. Yeah, not he's very, a beast. Not very many people are checking LeBron. And he and he's one of those dudes that's in the league that's about that life. Lance oh, yeah. <laughs> um Lance is a um he's a he's a he's like a oh god, what was I gonna say? Um He's like a top five guy when it comes to guarding LeBron James all the time. Oh, for, I would put him in top five for sure. Yeah, I mean, he might even be number one, but he is definitely in LeBron's career. People like Ron Artest, Deshaun Stevens. He, he's, like, yeah, he's a LeBron stopper. He's, he is truly one of the best. Um, so, for no, I think seven through two, we kind of disagree on the order, yep. but it's all the same people. Yep, it's all the same guy. So, my number seven, he's 26, CJ McCollum, Blazers shooting guard. Wait, your number seven? Yeah, excuse me, my number seven. Yeah, I also have CJ. Okay, so CJ. One of, one of the mama's boys. CJ at number seven, he's averaging 21.5 points per game, 3.3 assists per game, 4.1 rebounds per game. Actually, down to your scoring, right? I mean, compared to the last two years. I've compared been... to the last two years, but for his career, it's up. Yeah, he well, he, he was a project player. He came off the bench. He yeah. sat behind Wes Matthews a couple years. But yeah. CJ is great. That guy is a great basketball player. And uh, I, I always he'll always have a special uh, place in my heart. Um, because he's a his, grinder, man. Well, uh, shout out him and Lehigh and upsetting Duke in the first round. So. CJ's always love gonna, when Duke loses. Yeah, CJ's always gonna have a special place in my heart for that. Um, and he's a great basketball player all around. He's your prototype two guard. He can play the point, um, and he's a lethal scorer. Great, great basketball player. Yeah, and now for number six, this this is someone who I think could be the number one shooting guard in yeah. the next five years. I think I know where you're going with this. He's only twenty one. Yep. Plays yeah. in the Valley of the Sun. He's the man. Devin Booker from okay. the Phoenix Suns. And you've got him at six? I have him at six. Well, since we're, we're going to do that, I, I got I got D-Book at number three. Wow. Yeah. See, I'm. 
He is unbelievable he when you is. watch him. He I mean, is. when you watch Dev, watch Devin Booker. <laughs> I want he dropped Devin, seventy. If you're an NBA fan and you haven't given him two or three games, go you watch. You have him. to watch him play. Go the guy watch is him. A, walking bucket he really is oh my god i mean he comes off screens and hits jumpers he he takes people off the dribble he's got bounce he's got range he, he, he's also one of those guys he's that... gonna be the best shooting guard in the league someday oh one, yeah one day he will have that crown he'll hold the belt at one point oh yeah for sure but he's also one of those guys that has also gone on the record and says he's got that mamba mentality he's one of those guys that looked up to kobe he wears kobe's yep. when he plays he he looked up to Kobe as growing up, yep. and that's who he's really tried to model his game after. And like you said, he's a walking bucket. The guy gets buckets. At number six, I got a guy that's having a career year was uh, Brad Beal. But re- real quick, the only reason I couldn't put Devin Booker higher mm-hmm. was just based off of yeah. his experience yeah. and how long he's been in the league. I'm just giving experience and, and see, more accolades to, like, to higher guys. When it comes to building a team around someone, he might be. He's probably number two. I mean, I think James Harden's really the only person I would take over him. In terms of shooting guards, yeah. I mean, and it's, when you put it factor in his age and his athleticism. Yeah. But yeah, so um, you got him at six. I got him at three. I got At number six, I got Bradley Beal. Okay. 23.7 points a game this year, four, four rebounds, four assists. Um, deadly scorer, played with, you know, one of the great, one of the great John Walls. Um yeah, I, I just I still can't put him in a top five. I, I mean, he's a great player and he's having a career year, but he's he's not a top five guy to me. He's not he's not as great of a two way player like a Jimmy Butler or a Clay Thompson. He's not a, he's not as good of a bucket getter as a Devin Booker. Um, so that's why I, I I still have him at number six. Um, he needs to score the the way he's scoring for them to have a shot. So Wizards, I, if anything's going well for them, it's Bradley Beal. Yeah, no, and that's that's exactly why I have Bradley Beal at number five, and I do think he's a top five shooting guard in the league. He's like you said, having a career year: mm-hmm. twenty three point seven points per game, three point eight assists per game, four point three rebounds per game. He's shooting almost forty six percent from the field, and a little over thirty five percent from the three point line. He he should be an all star this year, but yeah. I don't think he's gonna get it. He should be. He, he is a he is a top four. Or five guard in the East for sure, top five guard. In the East. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's probably not. He's probably gonna miss it because it's half popularity contest, which is yeah. fine because you got to give the fans what they want. But that's just the way it is. Um, so you got Beal at five, at number five, we got Jimmy Butler. Okay, um, I think he's you know one of the two best um, two way two guards in the NBA, playing for Thibodeau, averaging twenty one five and five. Having another, you know, having another great year. It's uh, he's fit in seamlessly with those guys. So uh, and like you know, him and Clay are just great two way two guards. There's just not very many of them in the league. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he is one of the two elite elite guys. Yeah, and I, I and I have Jimmy Butler at number four. Yeah, but he's, I have Clay at number four. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, we'll get to where I have Clay yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. But I mean. Jimmy Butler, he's like you said, fitting in seamlessly in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He, he he's playing for Thibodeau again. He he's basically rejuvenated his career in Minnesota now after that tumultuous year in Chicago last year, and he's shooting almost three per- percentage points better than he's been shooting for his career. He's at forty eight percent basically, and he's at 
This year, he's shooting 35% from the three-point line. For his career, he's a 29% yeah. three-point shooter. Yep. It's just him playing in that offense with Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and just it's, the openness on the floor makes it so much easier for him to score. He's, play, he's, he's, he's playing well. I mean, they're, they're going to be a really tough playoff matchup. And, and if, they, if they can, can, uh, if they can um, control, like, dribble penetration at the point guard position on defense, they have rim protection. They've got wing defenders. They've got the three. They've got inside. They can do it all. So, I mean, Jimmy's a big reason why. Yeah. Um, but Who you yeah, got a so, number three? So, come, so, yeah. So, I have four at Clay. We'll talk about it in a sec. But at number three, I have, I have Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I put, That's and the, right. And the only reason why I put Devin Booker above a Clay at a Butler is, is just natural scoring ability. And I think he's a, a difference maker. Whereas... Clay and Butler, I think they're playing off of um, the people like Devin Booker. Yeah. Well, for number three, I have DeMar DeRozan. He's obviously only 28, just entering the prime of his career, basically. Devo the North. Yeah. For this year, he's averaging 25.4 points per game, five assists per game, 4.2 rebounds per game. And, yeah, he's shooting 35% from three-point line. He's having one of his best years. He just had like fifty-two to start yep. the new year. Yeah. See, I got I got Debo at number two. So okay, I think I think he's he's a special player. He's he's one of the few guys that he's he's. There's probably 10, 15 guys in the NBA that I think you can really count on the end, at the end of the game to get a bucket. And he's one of them. He can do it against anybody. Yep. Just line him up. He'll knock him down. That's, yeah. That's how Demar. That's how Demar rolls. He's carried that franchise on his back for the last eight years. Yeah, and so, um, and he grew up in L.A. and he got to see all of Kobe. Yeah, yeah, it's, and he loves Kobe. And and I, I I've always thought that you know him growing up where he grew up down here in L.A. I think that's why Toronto is such a good fit for him. Exactly. Or opposite, you know. I exactly. Mean, maybe he didn't want to be in the same shit that he grew up in, which it sucked for Lakers fans. As we much were, as I wanted him to we come. Were, we wanted him to come, but it's 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 cool to see how well he's doing up in the north, and he's so great for that city. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you have him at number two. I got him at number two, and I got and I know you got, wait, you got Clay at number two. I have Clay at number two. And I have Clay at number four. Yeah, so, I mean, this year, obviously, his numbers might be a little bit down, He's averaging 20.5 points per game, 2.5 assists per game, 4 rebounds per game. He's shooting better this year uh, than in, in terms of his career averages from the field and from the three-point line. From the field for his career, he's a 45.6% shooter. And for his career from the three-point line, he's at 42.2%. This year, he's at 48.7% from the field and 45% from the three-point line. I think he's the best two-way two-guard in the league, yeah. I just can't put him at the number one because of who we yeah. both have ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, even though he Clay's the man. I mean, Clay. I, my favorite part of Clay is he's got a couple things that are just Clay types of deals. Is he's the most efficient with the dribble of any player I've ever seen. He scored those sixty points on like eleven dribbles. Guy doesn't need a dribble. He uses his body. He uses spacing and he uses screens. He's a super smart basketball player. Um, you know, his dad was a pro, so the guy. guy his dad's knows. a two-time champion with the LA Lakers, number one overall draft pick. Yeah, the guy knows how to play ball. He's super efficient. Plays a team game. And another thing is, I don't know if I've ever seen a player that fills up one quarter. I mean, he's a guy that's like. If he gets hot in one quarter, he's he's had so many quarters where he scored 
20, 25, 37 or whatever. Were you there, were you there, were you there that night? At Buffalo, when me and Corey were there, and he had that thirty-seven, you were there. Were you working that night? No, I don't think so. But me and Corey were there that night watching that game. Those are the two things that stand out to Clay for me and Clay Thompson is that he he's one of the best guys I've ever seen just have big quarters, just win a quarter and separate a game. Yeah, like he'll outscore a team in a quarter. Yeah, and they'll and they'll separate and they'll 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 work off that lead the rest of the game. And his uh, efficient dribbling. Also, shout out to Wazoo Cougar. Yeah. Why not? One time. Yep. Got caught smoking weed before the UCLA game. I'll never forget. I was so happy that he got caught because we didn't have to. Because I was I'm a UCLA fan, so he he wasn't gonna play against the Bruins. So I was like, yes, we don't have to go against Clay Thompson. I'm down. Yeah. So, but to uh, yeah. So number two, I had DeRozan, three Booker, and four Clay. Let's go. Yeah. So two. Clay, three, DeMar, four, Jimmy. And now, number one, we both have it, even though he he's technically the point guard for the Houston Rockets. He plays a lot of point guard. He plays a lot of point guard, but he's a shooting guard. Last James year, Harden. Last year, I would have had him as a point guard, but this, which was, I think last year was the only year of his career where he really did actually play point guard. He yeah. He's a two guard, but, um, yeah, he, James Harden, number one. It's not even close. Yeah, he's a, he's averaging 32.3 points per game. Insane. 9.1 assists per game. Five rebounds. 45% from the field. 39% from three-point. Not a lot of 30-point-per-game scores are averaging over nine assists a game. I mean, it just doesn't happen. No. It's it's unheard of. So, yeah, he's the best. He's the best. Um, he's probably, you know, he's a top-five guy when it comes to one-on-one. Um, you can't stop him. He's just unstoppable with the dribble. Yeah. His they created a whole he, rule because he would lean in to guys to draw the foul, and his, he'd get it. His craftiness is unbelievable. Um, his euro step, he's just, his timing's perfect every time. His step back is dangerous. His shot's pretty. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a number one. He's the top dog. Uh, to recap the shooting guard list, I'll just give you one through ten really quick. Um, number one, starting with James Harden, then DeRozan, Devin Booker, Clay, and Jimmy. Um, then the back five, number six, Beal, um, seven, CJ, eight, Oladipo, nine, Lou Will, and ten, the Tyreek Evans shout-out. There you go. And then for me, my top ten is James Harden at the one spot, number two, Clay Thompson, three, DeMar DeRozan, four, Jimmy Butler, five, Bradley Beal, six, Devin Booker, Seven CJ McCollum, eight Victor Oladipo, nine Lou Williams, ten Gary Harris, and then next week we will do our top ten active small forwards. Yep. This is going to be a conversation you are not going to want to miss. Hall of Fame position. It's it's going to be a great conversation. I can already tell. Yeah. There's no, going to. I feel like it's this is this will there's probably be, be one of the hardest. I know there's going to be some major disrespect. That's all I know. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> but I. It's definitely going to be a great conversation. Be sure to check it out next week. Um, yeah. So, two quick shout-outs before we get out of here. First, shout-out LaMelo and LiAngelo Ball yep. for combining for 60 points in their second game of the Big Baller Brand Challenge games. And a, a bounce-back after being held scoreless in their pro debut. Yeah. But, Which is good. I yeah. Mean, that's good. The, the, you know, they didn't play a lot of minutes in that pro game. Um, and those guys were... Those are legit pros. They were trying, yeah. They were, but going they were going at him to they- shut those guys out. So it reminded me, um, the their first pro debut reminded me of Tony Kukoc in the '92 Olympics when 
Kukoc had been drafted by the Bulls, and he was a project player. He's going to come over years later. And uh, Pippen and jo- Pippen and Jordan were on the dream team. Yep. And they guarded Pippen and Jordan guarded Kukoc the entire time he played in the Olympics against um, Team USA. Yep. And I think they held him scoreless. <laughs> and it's just, and, but I think Kukoc was like seventeen or eighteen at the time. And it's not that Kukoc couldn't play. It's just you know when you got a grown man and people that are have been you know veterans out there, they're going to shut out a, a, a kid. I mean, Lamelo is sixteen. Jones yeah. 19. Yeah, so their team, uh, Vitalis, won uh, their game 130-93 to in the second game of the Big Baller Brand Challenge games. Yeah. And now, let's remember that the Big Baller Brand Challenge games are exhibition games. The This game was against a U18 junior team mm-hmm. for another professional Lithuanian team. Like the first game was. Like the first game was. Yeah. This team had someone as young as 15 on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually there were, there was a couple players whose dads were Lithuanian legends to a couple of which actually played in the NBA. Um, one of which I can't remember the name, but I, I should have wrote it down, but they, they played for the Sonics actually. Um, uh, nice. Rodmanovic? No, not Rodmanovic. Rodmanovic is Slovenian. Uh. Um, but uh, anyway, I'll, we'll, I'll get the name for next week, mm-hmm. but the, the game was 10 or four 10-minute quarters, and their team put up 130 points. Yeah, these kids get buckets. They know the score. It looks like they they're it looks like their teammates are starting to figure out how to play with them too. Yeah, and they both Leangelo and Lamelo looked a lot more comfortable with their teammates on the floor. Their teammates were actually even giving Lamelo some crap when he kind of like half dunked yeah, it yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. half. And then when he attempted that self alley oop, they kind of were giving him some crap after it. I think they're gonna end up. Winning pretty easily their last three exhibition games, but this pro stuff's gonna be interesting to watch. We'll see if uh, Lamelo can physically figure it out. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see if he can physically keep up with these guys uh, that are playing in the actual professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, second shout out, uh, I have to shout out Elgin Baylor and the Lakers yeah. organization uh, as they announced Tuesday morning that a statue of Baylor would be unveiled in front of Staples Center. Uh, that would go alongside all of the other incredible statues in front of Staples Center. You got Laker legends, Shaquille O'Neal, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Chick Hearn. You got Kings legends like uh, Bob Miller, their announcer, just got a statue this past week. Uh, Luke Robitaille, Wayne Gretzky, Oscar De La Hoya has a statue out there. Just a couple uh, career notes for Elgin Baylor, for those that might not be familiar with his career. He played 14 years for the Lakers. He was a part of the move from Minneapolis to Los Angeles. Uh, he was basically the original high flyer in the NBA. Played in the 60s. Yeah, he played... He played in the late 80s, played through the 60s, retired in the early 70s. Yeah. He, he scored 71 points in a game against the Knicks. Uh, and at the time, he was the first person to eclipse 70 points in a game before Wilt scored 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the 1962 NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics, in Game 5, he had 61. Uh, yeah, he dropped 61 points, which is still the record for most points in the NBA fi- in an NBA Finals game. And he also had 22 rebounds in that same game. He was 6'5". He averaged 27.4 points per game, 13.5 rebounds per game, and 4.3 assists. He was an 11-time All-Star 10-time All-NBA first-teamer. Yep, he's a legend. Yeah, he he never won a title during his career. He lost eight times, uh, but his number 
was retired by the Lakers in 1983. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1977. Yeah, he's a legend. And, and uh, my favorite part about Elgin Baylor, shout out Seattle U alumni. Yep. Uh, there you go. Yeah, shout out I mean, Seattle U. Seattle U's got an NBA Hall of Famer and got a guy that's got a statue out front of, outside of Staples now. So. Yeah. Shout out to Yeah, and also, I mean, a lot, a lot of people in L.A., including myself, never thought that this would happen. I'm so yeah, happy. He's, yeah, he's been he's part of so many championship runs. I yeah. Mean, yeah, they didn't get the ring, but I think he went to eight different finals. Yeah, he went to eight different finals. Then the year after he retired was they when got their one. they got their one. Yep. Um, but I, we never thought. Like, L.A. fans never thought it was going to happen because he worked for the Clippers for so many years. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't be happier as a Lakers fan to see that another Lakers legend is going to have a statue for fans to see every time they come to Staples Center. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds everybody that Staples Center is the house that the Lakers built and the house that Kobe built. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, shout out Elgin Baylor. Uh, that wraps it up for this week on the TSK Show. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TSK Show. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. Like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash TSK Show. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash TSK Show. Or just type in the keyword, the Sports Kingdom Show on either Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We will be back next week. Peace. Later.